0: Hey Chelsea fans, welcome to the only official Chelsea podcast, Chelsea mic Up. I host this show with my neutral observer, Chris Whittingham. Thank you so much for being with us this entire season. And thank you to those who joined us midway or hopped on to Chelsea FC because Christian Pulisic is American and you're American and you're looking for a side. Obviously a very interesting game at Anfield as Liverpool lift their trophy and Chelsea make it interesting. Lots of talking points from this match. My neutral observer friend Chris Whittingham will dissect it. I will play my emotional role, and we will chat with ESPN's Katie Nolan, who is bound to be insufferable because her Liverpool FC have finally won the Premier League. Let's cry together and prepare for the Sunday sweats. Vamos!
1: got got swag. I a blue shirt, chasing a from the back.
0: Well, that was a match, Chris Whittingham. That's gonna be something that I remember for quite some time. Let's get into it. Obviously, we're recording this post-match. Not easy sights to digest if you're a Chelsea fan, but you knew this day would come. Hell, you kind of knew this day was coming. Somewhere around mid-December after that Liverpool-Leicester match, Chris, congratulations to the Premier League champions. Liverpool, they performed like champions today. A great performance from a historically great Premier League side. That being said, missed opportunities with this one mistakes that you can't make against a team like Liverpool starting with that Willian touch lazy clearances that they got away with bad marking on set pieces set pieces again come back to burn Chelsea and you could have locked in a place in the Champions League with one point Christian Pulisic made us believe that that one point might be a realistic possibility but now hell is coming on Sunday hell (laughs) hell (laughs) double deodorant day i'm telling you reapply folks this is not gonna be fun but neutral observer chris whittingham we've all kept a keen eye on liverpool and we were wondering is the real liverpool going to show itself because we haven't really seen them after this restart you would think with the cup being lifted at anfield and the cop end Liverpool would put in a great performance. I didn't really fancy anybody's chances going into that stadium today with fans or without. And Liverpool played very well. Your initial thoughts on Liverpool's performance.
2: Let's start with the fact that Liverpool have now finished the season having dropped two points at home. And it was a random draw against Burnley, right? It wasn't, it wasn't you know, some, somebody going to Anfield and soundly beating them. It was Burnley doing Burnley things. Oh, oh keep, keep preaching. You are making me feel good,
0: Chris Whittingham. Thank you for that. Thank you.
2: (laughs) Still, I mean, this is a very difficult place to go and get a result. And Liverpool were at their very best today. The goal-scoring capabilities that they have, the threat that they carry where it just feels like every time they go forward, they're going to score. They do that to a lot of teams, not just Chelsea, right? And then the first two goals you give away... The first one is that strike from Nabi Keita. Yeah, it comes from a giveaway, but it's a guy who's barely scored for them, who's barely done anything for them, pulling out a 25-yard runner strike from God knows where. And then that second one, people are getting mad at Kepa for not diving in. Look, it looks bad for, on a goalkeeper when he just stands there and watches the ball go in. It's not a good look, but... You see that angle from behind the Liverpool goal, from behind Allison and Trent Alexander-Arnold's curling free kick is beautiful. Like, it's unsavable. That's Trent Alexander-Arnold's very best. And then the mistakes started to come, but you're already 2-0 down. And then Christian Pulisic comes on and gives you that little bit of hope. But in the end, this is just a top-notch Liverpool performance.
0: Yeah, and it was met with Chelsea playing the hits. Chelsea playing the hits of their struggles throughout this season, Look, they've been bad on set pieces, defending set pieces, and uh, today was no different. They've been bad against a counterattack, and I agree with you. The angle from behind the net does change things on that TAA goal. However, that wasn't an isolated incident in this match with Keppa standing still, which is very concerning. Was it Wynaldum, who had an absolute sitter of an opportunity Totally unmarked and he just botches it. And Keppa just frozen. Now that's gonna happen sometimes when he's like he could literally score at any place outside of the place that I'm standing, and you end up doing nothing in hopes that he kicks it right to you. But this happened a lot. Reserved on these crosses. Once again, Keppa, that was a book on him before he got to Chelsea. It's gotten worse. I thought he he pushed that narrative away last year. He is in his own head. This is a keeper that is struggling. And on this TAA goal, I can say, now that it's not an isolated incident, where else was he going to put it, Chris? Right. I I mean, there was only real – from that angle, there's only one place TAA Mm -hmm. could put it. And this is Trent Alexander-Arnold. I kind of got an idea what he's going for. I've seen him do this. To be flat-footed in that spot, considering it's not the only time you do that in that match – Bad optics, bad optics.
2: Right. It's the optics that are the bigger problem more than the actual goalkeeping itself in that situation. And then probably his worst goalkeeping moment doesn't even happen on a goal. It's that last cross that comes in that Virgil van Dyke somehow puts it wide, but the ball is like looping three yards in front of him and he's just kind of stood there watching it go past him. That happens a lot to Kepa and it, and I can understand the frustration of Chelsea fans where this optically you want to see the keeper do something, right? On the Oxley chamberlain goal, it gets nowhere near it. I mean, now, I'm not going to fault him for the cross from Alexander-Arnold to Firmino, which is just classic Liverpool, ball in a wide you area. Could fault
0: the, you could fault Espelicueta and Zuma in that right.
2: spot. Right, just somebody not closing Trent to Alexander-Arnold. It's like, Trent Alexander-Arnold's greatest skills. Free kicks and crosses from wide areas. You can't give him spaces like that. At least opponents are forcing Liverpool to vary it up a little bit and not letting TAA get into those kinds of spots. But when you do, it's curtains. And so uh, Pulisic came on and and did what he could, uh, getting the assist for the Tammy goal, and we should obviously praise him and the impact that he had in about 15 minutes uh, immediately coming on and just putting Joe Gomez in. like He shouldn't play again for Liverpool. That should be the end of Joe Gomez. But... I mean, the, just you can tell the spark that he brings when he comes on. It was definitely the aspect of the Chelsea performance that is most worth hailing.
0: Yeah, Chelsea have a good one in Christian Pulisic. No surprise from this podcast telling you that. We've been telling you that even when he wasn't even featuring in matches. And he didn't feature in this match in that starting 11, Chris. All sorts of questions now because he looked mighty healthy. He looked like the best player on that pitch. And that was a pitch that featured the champions. Christian Pulisic looked great. He looked quick. He looked like he should have been starting. We have comments here from the manager Frank Lampard, courtesy of the Fist and app, the official Chelsea app. Frank gives voice to what was speculated before the match and what was out in the media. Christian Pulisic entered this match carrying a knock. Hugely important. He has had that impact, and I was here for Eden's first year, and it's not easy coming to the Premier League, and even for Eden in that first year, it's in a, you know adapting to the Premier League and. And Christian has had his moments of that,
2: but since well, mid-season he had a really good patch, and then since restart he's been in an incredible form. And only the the injury he picked up in the in the Norwich game has kept him out of the semi-final when he's flying. But today he comes on and has 40 minutes, which is great for the injury to feel confident in it and shows the qualities which he's been showing. So yeah, huge. He's so young. He's got such natural talent. He he creates goals. He scores goals, and he's a big player for us. So delighted to see him come through fit. No, clearly. We will. It will be a big player in these next few games for us, but going forward as well.
0: Have to take the manager at his word. He would know. I am an idiot that lives across a pond. I I don't. I am not his physio. If the manager is telling me Christian Pulisic is hurt, then he was hurt. That being said, he didn't look hurt, Chris. And I need this guy starting against Wolves if we want to guarantee our place in the Champions League next year, Chris.
2: And again, it's just you want to highlight the individual aspects of the performance, that first move where he picks up the ball. It's kind of a second phase of play. Look like Chelsea really built up well. Then they come back, they cycle it, and he just goes by two guys. Megs Joe Gomez, slides the perfect ball. It's a simple tap in for Tammy Abraham. And then the goal that he scores himself. I thought that was a, such a difficult finish because it's a bit of an unusual spot. The cross comes in from Callum hudson Doy and Christian kind of finds himself in way too much space in the middle of the box. And he takes it down, has the the time and ability to take three touches, but in the midst of all that, keeps his composure, and absolutely fires it. You actually can hear on the feed, without crowd noise, Tammy Abraham saying, turn and shoot, because it's on for him to do so, but... The skill involved in, when you watch that first move in real time, the quickness with which he glides through the Liverpool defense is incredible. And then on the second goal, it's almost the exact opposite. It's the calm, it's the skill, it's the composure to finish a chance within the space of 15 minutes to completely turn the game on its head. Just yet more incredibly stunning things from an American player to be doing, especially at this level. Chris, we
0: anticipate Christian Pulisic is going to be in that starting eleven. Regardless of whatever injury he was carrying into that Liverpool match, I don't care if he's rolled out on a wheelchair. I need to see this guy in the starting 11 for my own sanity. A sanity that has been called into question because I had to, well, just bring up the goalkeeper again. Chris, mm. I don't really know. If I'm the manager, if I'm the manager, God bless Keppa. I have a Kepa jersey. I'm looking at it right now. I think I got to go with Willy Caballero in this mm-hmm. spot,
2: Chris. And we talked about in the match against Manchester United when Caballero was in. They just felt like the whole back three, the whole setup was a bit more serene and calm and comfortable and playing with Caballero behind him than they do normally when Kepa is behind them. And so in this match where, all right, let's say you play him in this match, you've already kind of guaranteed to Caballero you're going to play him in that FA Cup final. So maybe all that's left for Kepa to play is that Champions League match against Bayern can you go with Caballero on that one, too? Probably. For this season, you make a merit-based decision. And I think all 11 players that are picked on Sunday will be merit-based decisions and not what's happened or form or whatever. It's just, who are the 11 players that can grind out this result against Wolves? And I think right now, Caballero is absolutely the choice.
0: Frank hasn't been shy about making this decision. It's been a talking point a couple of times this season. Willie for Keppa, he's pulled the trigger on it at very difficult times. The team does seem to sort of rally around Willie Caballero when he is in net. I don't know if it's so much a calming presence or if it's, man, I think we have to help him out a little bit more because he's not as agile a- as Keppa is. And he's maybe not as strong with his feet as Keppa is. But they do seem to dig deeper and have some of their better defensive performances with Willie Caballero. Obvious concerns there. Is it all on Keppa? No. If you've seen every goal this season, you know. There are problems along that back line. There was the zonal marking thing of the first half of the season and the flat out. Credit to Jurgen Klopp because he has obviously studied NBA inbounds plays because they run amazing picks. And with Wayne and Van Dyke, one right into the chest of Kepa, the other one over the bar, those are two surefire goals just off of play design. And Chelsea have been shaking enough that they don't need to go up against a mastermind when it comes to set pieces. But all sorts of questions. Isn't Golocante going to be fit for this match? You could use him. Olivier Giroud, I think we all anticipate starting up there. Good moments from Tammy Abraham. Callum hudson doy. I got to clap it up for him because he's still working his way back from injury. I thought he was good. Willian, not the same player without Christian Pulisic out there, Chris. Willian was a bit of a disappointment today and had the key moment in that first goal buildup, Chris.
2: It's a loose touch and he gives the ball away and it's just kind of... It was a couple of times from him where the touches were a bit poor. Now, it's kind of, I understand the point you're making, which is that when Polisic gets out there, it seemed like they've been an incredible combo. But those are moments that are individual of another playing being out of the pits. Those are just basic mistakes uh, that lead to goals. But you're right, he didn't have his best performance, but you still imagine come Sunday that he will have the manager's trust and he'll be in that starting 11, and you'll see a front three of Pulisic, Giroud, and Willian. And then the question's about the midfield arise. Are you still sticking with this three at the back system against Wolves? who will play that and then how does Mason Mount fit in how does Pulisic fit in there's a lot of questions about how and who you pick to have this be your best team come Sunday
0: if Conte is fit I imagine Jorginho comes out of that starting 11 probably a bad performance from Jorginho not probably the one moment that sticks out is is not making that foul on the counter and that's all she wrote for that game Mason Mount let's talk about him since he mentioned him he was just offside. I'm glad Mason actually finished that play in the VAR age. You never know because someone's toenail. You see, some player,
2: you see some players that don't bother to finish that situation or like the defenders completely start holding their arms up and they stop. You play through the offside flag. Like everyone knows that at this point. I'm glad that Mason did that. It was it's very close.
0: It's a mistake by those players. So credit to Mason Mount for doing that. And he finished the goal, which is you know, nice to see. Not that Allison was going all for it, but finishing not the strong suit another thing that's not his strong suit is aerial play and man if I could go back in time to one moment Chris it is that cross that he failed to put away a beautiful cross from Reese James fed on a silver platter to Mason Mount and you could see the frustration on Olivier Giroud who says I want to score two goals on that one <laughs> uh, Mason Mount sails it over the bar not his strong suit but If there is one thing Mason Mount needs to work on, and there really is only one thing, finishing he needs to get end product because these are game-changing moments Chris
2: and I thought the other thing too uh, that can improve from him as well that we that we saw today was the crossing got into a couple of good spaces where their players making runs he's out in front of them he's just got to either play a good looping ball onto the head of Giroud or hit a hard one low through that six-yard box and a couple of times sailed it way over everyone and those are advantageous positions and look when you're playing against Liverpool you're going to concede goals they're going to press you off the ball it's going to be hard to find scoring opportunities they've won the league on the strength of how good they are defensively it's remarkable enough that you got three goals in this match they've only given up 32 all season early in the game when the game is being decided you have to take chances not only to put chances away but to create them when you're in advantageous positions and Mount had two or three occasions in that first half that first 30 minutes when the game was still kind of in the balance that I, I thought he failed to deliver
0: Chris, my entire Chelsea supporting life, three goals is a laugher for Chelsea. That game is put away. That is more than enough to take three points. You get three goals at Anfield, you got to win that game. Forget just taking the draw that gets you into Champions League. You got to win that game. Good moments from Reese James, although defensively, again, some concerns and some lackadaisical clearances from this team. They cannot be doing that. They got to this stuff against Wolverhampton. Don't take any chances, especially when a draw will get you in and that's all you need. Chris, what do you do with this back line entering this match with Wolves? Not necessarily formation, because we can get into that later, but in terms of personnel, who would you like to see back there? Who do you trust at this moment?
2: Even though you just gave away five goals, I wouldn't make any changes. I don't know that Andreas Christensen being in there or Emerson being in there or whomever you want to put in there would really make an appreciable difference. I keep the system the same. I keep the personnel the same. And I know it was very tempting for Frank Lampard on the back of winning the FA Cup semifinal to keep it exactly the same, just as it will be very tempting on the back of losing 5-3 away from home to make changes. But... I don't think you make any changes. This is the system in the setup that is best suited to against Wolves. You just came against a really good Liverpool side tonight. I don't think you can let this match and this performance affect the way that you view Wolves.
0: Almost all season long, whenever Chelsea have a frustrating performance, and there have been more frustrating performances, like this, losing by two goals at Anfield. I know it's 5-3, and they scored five crazy goals, and there are so many moments in that game where you're like, just be better! I screaming that at the TV. Be, be better! But... <laughs> This is a resilient squad. Every time we've countered them out, we marched in that Tottenham Hotspur Stadium wondering how the hell are they going to get points from this match. They've had an answer. Aspelikweta always says the right things after the match and he leads by example. I need Aspelikweta to be the skipper. I need Kovacic to play like the player of the season. Christian Pulisic, we're here now. You saw what happened when you trotted out onto the field. You were treated like you were the best player. You rose to the occasion. You almost LFG'd this club into the Champions League. (laughs) Be that player. Olivier Giroud, be that player. We need the best effort because I don't trust Manchester United, and I want this to be a laugher. I really do. There's a captivating relegation battle that I would love to watch. So if I could tune into that in minute 76 and know that the boys in blue got it in hand, that'd be much appreciated. Reward the faith that we've had in you all season long, Chelsea. It hasn't been pretty, but that's the story, and it figures that we find ourselves here on the final match week nervous about where they are slotted coming up next i'm already dreading this i see her in the waiting room she is always late that's why the show that she hosts is called always late with katie nolan she is late to our interview right now because she has been celebrating seeing liverpool lift the trophy at anfield we will talk to katie nolan
2: next get the latest chelsea news straight to your phone download the fit stand app the official Chelsea app.
0: Obviously, if you're a Chelsea supporter, you're doing what you can to avoid your Liverpool supporting friends. Not me. I bring on my friend Katie Nolan, who is smiling, wearing her Liverpool cap. Katie is uh, a Liverpool supporter, and uh, she is already being quite insufferable. Katie, go ahead. What? Have I'm not being
1: insufferable. <laughs> I feel bad because I'm smiling and I know this is a Chelsea pod and look, you guys played a really good game. Um, but we, you're right. We did win and I'm sorry to you. You still have a chance though. You could still make it to the champions league. We got wolves. You got this.
2: Your your patronizing tone is. I'm not trying to.
1: Genuinely, I'm looking at Jurgen Klopp on TV, and he's so smiley, and it's very hard to like have him looking at you and be like, "I am. How's how are you, Mike? Are you okay?" (laughs)
0: I wouldn't mind being consoled by Jurgen Klopp. In fact, I, I thought mean. one of the one of the more memorable parts of this match I thought was after that Christian Pulisic goal, yes. the smile that Jurgen Klopp, his former manager, gave, sort of like I knew he was capable of that and, and kind of being like a proud papa. I thought that was cool. And look, I, I like Jurgen Klopp as a manager. It's a brilliant form of football. Liverpool are a team to aspire to be. Ugh. Oh. We may have to edit this this one out, Chris Winningham. I love
1: this. I didn't think you'd be so (laughs) glowing in your praise.
0: I have to give the champions praise, although Sadio Mane was up to some bull (laughs) today that I wasn't a fan (laughs) of. The fireworks outside in minute 65 and Christian uh, Pulisic almost making you eat it immediately. There were all parts... Look, we eliminated you from the FA Cup. You make us a little nervous heading into the final match day. Mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about not just where this was this season. We can get into that FA Cup because I'm going to have to earn some sort of W in this. Sure. Just some sort of W. But where this is going in the future, obviously Chelsea and Liverpool have had some really compelling matches this season. Starting with the Super Cup, Billy Gilmore turns in a man of the match performance and eliminate Liverpool from the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Sort of at the start of that dip in form from Liverpool. And off the field, they battle over Timo Werner and Liverpool bow out because they don't have the money for it and Timo Werner signs for Chelsea. Where do you see this matchup between these two sides going next year and what should be a hotly contested Premier League?
1: I think it's an interesting relationship that our two teams have. Also because of, you know, it's not why we won, but it was the definitive moment that we won that because of you guys. So it's like this interesting Relationship, look, I'm a uh, American, obviously, Premier League fan and so I view it through a different lens and I'm under no sort of, uh, like I'm not delusional and I think that I'm some great, wonderful supporter of this team who's been with them forever and I suffered long and hard just like all Liverpool fans. Uh, I know my place and my position, so you know, my opinion is probably very different than other Liverpool supporters, but I think that our relationship with Chelsea in this sort of little rivalry that's building is very intriguing to me, um, especially because of uh, of Pulisic. Because I think that like having him be an American and finally starting to like show himself to be who we all really wanted him to be is exciting. Uh, it does suck, and it will suck when it's against us. But um, but yeah, I think it's like bigger than than a team, a club support. But I can say that cause I'm American.
2: So let's talk about the moment where the interests of the two clubs we're talking about aligned, and that was that day when Chelsea beat Manchester City. That American hero that you mentioned, Christian Pulisic, charging in behind on the counter attack. Now Liverpool have basically been champions since December, but that was the moment where they actually did win it. Did you celebrate and enjoy that game? in the manner which it it being the game that clinched or was it just kind of this inevitable thing that finally happened?
1: So I originally felt like that wasn't how I wanted it to happen because our next game was against Man City and I would have loved nothing more than to beat Man City and have that be the game that's when we finally officially win. Um, Obviously, in hindsight, we lost that game anyway, so it wouldn't have been better. But I had originally said that I don't want to win it without the team actually playing, that that would feel really weird to me, especially in this time when we hadn't seen our team and our boys for a long time. You kind of just want to see them on the field for it to feel more real. Uh, But I got over that very quickly Uh, once it happened. (laughs) I obviously watched that match uh, very intently and was thrilled and just as excited, which surprised me because I was like, "Oh, I think I'd want to see them." But you know, we got to see a lot of videos from their phones and stuff of the—they were all together at the hotel celebrating. Um, but yeah, originally I thought that I was not going to enjoy winning it through somebody else beating someone else. But you know what? I'll tell you, it feels just as just as nice.
0: <laughs> Do you extrapolate anything from their form? It was honestly one of the big sort of misnomers is that this is post-restart Liverpool, the dip in form came a little bit before the pause in play. Are there any concerns that maybe the Premier League has figured you out some?
1: I don't know if it's that. Um, I will say today or tonight, whatever we're calling this, uh, Mo had like three great chances at scoring that were all bad and that bums me out like whenever i see mo not in his purest form um it just bums me out but uh we've we've seen him go through something like that before and kind of come out the other side of it stronger so i don't have any concerns i think this is a weird season this is a strange and yeah maybe there was a dip before the break but you know there's also that weird thing of like you've won now go play and do you play as hard and do you risk injuring yourself and so i don't i'm i th- everything about this season uh is just like a weird i think anomaly that i'm not assigning too much meaning to except for the fact that we won
0: so we chatted with you before the interview and we found out you've been a Liverpool supporter since 2013 now you haven't had the 30 years of heartbreak but you've had some heartbreak you've had Steve Gerrard slipping and falling Mm -hmm. now you're the champion and you lifted the Champions League trophy but you lost out to a historic Manchester City team neutral observer I got you there because 102 points you fall short of the 100 point I mean
1: come on (laughs) come on
0: I am really interested in next season as a Liverpool fan. Obviously Chelsea are coming. They played you well this season. They eliminated you from the FA cup.
1: You keep saying that. Is that like, really you're hanging your hat on that today?
0: Manchester. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Manchester city. (laughs) They're going to lose some of the older players. They don't have the, the, the transfer ban, So, you know, they're going to spend, they're already at it. Manchester United got a front nine really that are just overwhelming in attack. Who do you think is most likely from that crop to give you problems next year? Uh,
1: among Man United, Man City, and what, you? Yeah. I don't know. I, Man United, the the hatred runs deep. Man City, the hatred is fresh. Mm. Um, you guys could be a problem. I mean, there isn't... Uh, I, I do want to talk about why as a person who works uh, closely with the club and their social media, <clears throat> if you had any idea why they would tweet out the video of the slip uh, before this match, given the fact that you guys have an uphill battle yourselves and we, I don't know if you know this, had already won the Premier League, <laughs> what the reasoning was for for bringing that up?
0: Interaction, small caps, big caps, uh, replies retweets mm. i i yeah that was a very controversial thing i'm, I'm mm. glad you mentioned it yes chelsea from their official not the american because the american twitter account can play a little bit faster and looser with the rules a little bit but it yes, was a just little like suppri- our
1: country has shown with this virus <laughs> oh, <God.
0: laughs> but the chelsea fc account does tweet out the infamous gerard slip and demba Ba goal And it was polarizing. There were pundits that came out and said it was classless from Chelsea FC. I thought it was just all in fun banter.
1: If he hadn't slipped, not to harp on it, But if he hadn't slipped, he still missed the pass. I don't know that the (laughs) slip necessarily was the thing. I feel like the slip was him trying to get to, I just think we should all let it go.
0: I'm with you. It wasn't
1: so much- also not a very impressive goal. Could have been saved. There's plenty of things about that clip that aren't just a slip that I think need to be not talked about. But back then, let's just all move on from it.
0: I'm with (laughs) you. It wasn't so much the slip as it was the goal. Yeah. Looking back on that game too, one of the more surprising things is Mo Salah actually started that match for Chelsea. Mo Salah, oh. you, yeah, you obviously adore this player. Oh. He goes from Chelsea to Rome and Liverpool do a, a shrewd bit of business and he becomes immediately one of the more, if not the most impactful player in the Premier League. The first League.
1: Egyptian to win a Premier League title.
0: Yeah, a, a great player. Who is your favorite player on this Liverpool squad? I
1: mean, it's Mo. It's always going to be Mo because Mo um, Mo is really responsible for my, you know, like, I, I think with, it's interesting being an adult starting to like a team. It's not something that, you know, as a person from Boston, we've got all four major sports. It's a, a strong sports community. You're, you're sort of born into your fandom, whether you like it or not. And so there's, that's an interesting experience. It has its own journey. But I think being an adult, you know, I was assigned Liverpool as my team by Georgie Thompson, who a, was a, a British sports host, but she was hosting Crowd Goes Wild, which was the first TV show that I was on. So she assigned me Liverpool. Um, and I was sort of like, cool, okay, because we were we would come on our show came on after Champions League, so we were basically told like we had to pay attention and know these teams. So anyway, this was I've I've had a really interesting experience with my journey of of falling in love with a team as an adult. And Mo was the person that really like like hooked me. Like I, I watched the games. I'm not a morning person, so when there would be like 7 a.m. matches, I would. Watch them for the first few years, but I didn't. You're not giving
0: up for Burnley Watford?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it just was like, I can't, I'm not waking up early. So, like, then, but then, like, Mo came and just watching his pure joy and passion and energy when he plays, I wanted to watch him. I wanted to wake up. I wanted to support this team fully and not just be like, yeah, I like Liverpool, but I don't watch and I don't care. And so, like, he really is the, him and his relationship to, with like, everybody on the team it was just something that hooked me. And so no matter who I like in any given moment, which changes um, I would say that Mo's always going to be my favorite player.
2: So I think the experience you described is a very American slash new fan phenomenon, which is this player grabs your attention or you latch onto something, but then you go you've you've gone and visited Anfield, then you start to inherit some of the traditions that the actual fans themselves and one of the traditions is this wait to win the Premier League title that lasted thirty years, which in the context of other clubs isn't that long, but in the context of Liverpool, I think won six titles in the eighties is an incredibly long wait. Did you kind of feel as this was happening? Like, oh, this is a really big deal these 30 years? Or is that, like, ultimately something you can't really feel that intensely because it's inherited from other people, not your own personal experience?
1: Yeah, it's interesting you bring up that I I went to Anfield when you asked this question because when I went to Anfield this year, um, you know, first I took a a tour of the stadium and there's nobody in it when you do that, which I found really interesting tonight watching them celebrate in this empty stadium. And I'm like, I know what that stadium feels like when it's empty and it's very different from what it feels like when it's full, but they're both really beautiful in their own way. So it's like a very interesting thing to to somehow have knowledge of. But when I walked into that stadium, I, I did not expect at all that this would happen, but I, I cried and it was just overwhelming to me. And part of what was so overwhelming was just knowing that this is a club with like a storied history with passionate fans who have been waiting and rooting for something for so long. And I got to meet a bunch of like older fans uh, outside of Anfield as we were waiting for the match that I went to talking about like the struggle that they've been through and what it's meant to them to be a fan. And so when we won this year, I like the first thing I thought of it wasn't of me and how much I've weighed in and how much I've been through because I'm not an idiot. I know that I am a secondhand, uh, fan in terms of like, I'm American, I'm I'm not as diehard, although I'm, I'm, it's weird as a woman to have to say that like, I'm not as big of a fan because normally my whole life I'm told that because I'm a woman. And this is me acknowledging that for this team, I know my role and I know that I'm not a long suffering Liverpool fan, but the jo- I still feel joy for those fans. It's like, I still feel like they've welcomed me into this fandom and I'm most happy for them first which, you know, as a person who's on TV for a living, it's very weird to be so unselfish. Um, but I just am genuinely so happy for Liverpool fans um, and, and all they've waited for.
0: You've been a Liverpool fan long enough to recognize Frank Lampard, the player for Chelsea and now you see Frank Lampard the manager and there was an interesting moment in this match in which Frank Lampard was barking at Jurgen Klopp I know the American broadcasters were sort of speculating at time of recording I don't know if either Klopp or Lampard have actually addressed what that was over what do you make of Frank Lampard now the manager and still a point away from locking in Champions League and being very competitive eliminating the likes of Liverpool in that FA Cup match
1: I you have (laughs) mentioned that um I would say, yeah, um, more than my hatred for Frank Lampard. I would say, how how are you doing?
0: Actually, post-restart, his in-game managing, because he's taken full advantage of the five subs. He's really mm-hmm. changed the complexion of games with his subs. And we're one match removed from him making a tactical decision that many believe outsmarted Ole and Manchester United and won that match for Chelsea. I think this is his first full season at a big-time club, his second full season as a manager mm-hmm. at a club He is learning as an American. I'm obviously not crazy about how he managed the Christian Pulisic Mm -hmm. playing time thing at the beginning. But you see Christian Pulisic now, and there's a very real argument to be made that he was better for how Frank Lampard... That's true.
1: You could. You could argue. But you would argue he shouldn't have started in this game?
0: Frank said he had a knock. Christian Pulisic played... Quite well today. Sure if he did. played that entire game, it might have been different. I'm a little frustrated, but I have to trust the manager. And look, this isn't Maurizio Sarri coming in and, and treating the the media <laughs> like chewing garbage. on cigarettes
1: in, on the <laughs> sideline,
0: having secret closets in which he's smoking uh, a bunch of heaters. This is the club legend. This Chewing's,
1: is like, we do. We should discuss chewing yeah. cigarettes. It's, yeah. it's a, I, it's a I particular don't know. Level of as addiction. I speak with a piece of nicorette in my mouth, I don't know that chewing cigarettes is something that I've ever even considered.
0: I appreciate you needling me, but I will answer your question with a question. You already spoke as to how much you love Mosala. Mm. Imagine Mosala being the manager of Liverpool and yeah. having the, the deck stacked against him in the way that it was against Frank Lampard, you wouldn't say a bad word about Mo Salah, would you?
1: You're absolutely right. I would not, and I never will, because I love Mo Salah with the entirety of my soccer ball-shaped heart.
0: <laughs> Chris, we'll let you close things out with our good friend Katie Nolan. Have you ever been tempted
2: to chew cigarettes? No, never
1: once. <laughs> Literally never once. They would be soggy and disgusting. I remember when I was uh, at my orientation for college, and it was like you're... It was like pre-orientation when you bring your parents. I don't remember. My memory is shot. But there was a guy there whose son presumably was going to Hofstra who had a cigar in the side of his mouth for the entire, oh. whatever this meeting was we were in. And I just kept staring at him like, is that nice for you? <laughs> or does that, you know, you have a problem? They, they make tobacco that goes specifically into your mouth if that's what you want to do. What are you doing putting this cigar? But a cigarette's even weirder.
0: Was he in between hunting sharks off of Ambien?
1: I have no (laughs) idea. It was so weird, but I'll never forget it
0: all right Katie Nolan thank you for the. that's first. how you want to
1: close it out have you ever I, been tempted to, to chew cigarettes I really appreciate that I'm gonna close it, it out beautiful.
0: by teasing this is the first of two Katie Nolan appearances the next episode she'll be joining us when we recap the great moments of the season of course headlined by Chelsea eliminating <laughs> Liverpool from is this, the is FA the, Cup I
1: didn't know I signed up for two this is very exciting we'll bring
0: Billy Gilmore into the zoom as you oh, know cool. that that little boy one man of the match against <laughs> Liverpool as you guys were clearly going for it judging off of the starting 11 and yet you still Got eliminated, much like you were the previous year by Eden Hazard's brilliance. Did you win the FA Cup? We we got the FA Cup in one more week. Almost mission accomplished, Katie Mm. Nolan. Got Arsenal in the final in the cup final.
1: I'll I'll be watching and and absolutely rooting for Arsenal.
0: Yeah, well you can tune in on ESPN Plus, a wonderful platform. (laughs) I
1: don't have it, but can I get your login?
0: (laughs) (laughs) You can get my login, Katie. All right, get out of here, champ. Chris Whittingham, that wasn't easy to hear from Katie Nolan, but can't say it wasn't expected. Let us turn our attention to this matchup with Wolves. Kind of new over the last few weeks. It was going to come down to this match. Got my hopes up some, but I guess it's better to only need one point against Wolves than three. That's certainly not a side you want to be playing against, even if you want one point. But it's a lot better to need one. As opposed to three, let us talk about the opponent, and then we'll get into some fun transfer stuff. This was a memorable match earlier in the season. There was some uh, season-on-the-line type of vibes entering that match. We saw the emergence of Akayo Tamori. Christian Pulisic did not factor in this match, so it's a different Chelsea squad, but it is also a different Wolves squad. A Wolves squad that is not having to worry about tired legs from a Europa League fixture, They've played pretty well. They dropped a heartbreaker uh, against Burnley, which would have made this matchup a hell of a lot more interesting, Chris. This is a good team. Are they a top-four team? Clearly not, but they're just outside of it. I imagine this is going to be a nervy, nervy match against Wolves.
2: They make life difficult, no matter what. From their defensive shape, they don't give away very many goals. They have real threats up top in Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore. They're perfectly balanced. Their best 11 is, is well-established. They're a very difficult opponent to face. One of the things that interests me, though, is they're one of the teams in the Premier League that week-in, week-out plays out of the back three. We We're talking earlier about how the shape stayed the same from the FA Cup match to this Liverpool match. And in some ways... I hope that Frank Lampard doesn't move away from it. Even though you give away five goals tonight, that shape is what worked against Wolves in the first meeting. You match them back three for back three and try and negate their system. So especially in a game where a draw will do, because again, the situation is if Man United win, then they will stay in third. If Leicester win, then you'll need a draw to go ahead of Man United for fourth place. I think Matching them system for system and trying to keep the game calm is probably the best situation for them.
0: Look, entering this game, I think most experts would fancy Manchester United over Leicester City anyways, but considering the goal differential and the fact that you can't really trust Manchester United this season, as recently as this West Ham match, everyone had them pegged to win that match. I don't want to be counting on Manchester United to win a match They can't lose this matchup because there's obviously the favored chance that Chelsea beat Wolves at Sanford Bridge, anyways. But if you're looking at the three teams Manchester United, Leicester, and Chelsea, because of the goal differential, you'd much rather be Manchester United than anybody.
2: They're a point ahead of Leicester, so a draw serves them fine. They're in, obviously, a win serves them fine. But they're going to be going for this because they don't want to need to rely on Chelsea to drop points to Wolves in order to go through. The question is, Is do you see peak Manchester United and do you see Leicester be as bad as they've been since restarted and put together uh, some really poor performances? So from a Chelsea perspective, you really want to see Manchester United hit the heights, get a couple of goals early, see that front four at its best. And there were times against West Ham where they look like they can get there, but Look, they've hit another wall. If you had said a week ago, though, do you trust Manchester United to get a result? You would have said yes. So I'm still believing in them somewhat and and that attacking four and and what they can do. But a couple of results will make you doubt.
0: You must not be privy to my sports booking text there, mate. I (laughs) I don't ever trust Manchester
2: United. Uh, But let's not act like... uh,
0: Manchester United, Leicester, and Chelsea are the only teams motivated to get a positive result here. Wolves are too. Europa League is massive for a club like Wolves that is currently in the Europa League. They'd like to continue that build on that and eventually make that climb into the top four. They're not that far off. Like I said, that heartbreaking result to Burnley, and we're having a much different conversation today. Jose Mourinho and Spurs are coming. Uh, Speaking of teams that I don't trust, Wolves need to fend them off. They need three points to secure a place in Europe. I think we're going to get their best shot. If Chelsea give Wolves their best shot, I think you and I both agree. Chelsea are the better side. They've already proved it once. But that doesn't necessarily matter when you're coming up against a side that's managed by Nuno, Chris. They are very tough to break down at times. and we, You know we love the handsome man here, Olivier Giroud, <laughs> but Raul
2: Jimenez is the
0: best striker in this
2: match, Chris. And he's been a clinical finisher for them. But as you said earlier, this match between Chelsea and Wolves is on match day five. I mean, think about how much has changed since September the 14th of 2019. It's entirely unrecognizable from back then. So yes, Chelsea went and won away. They scored five goals there, which is unheard of. Wolves this entire season have given away 38. So, you know, damn near a seventh of that is is in one game. But the funny thing is, is that If Wolves lose this game and... Tottenham jumped them, they finished 6th, Wolves will be in 7th, all of a sudden Wolves become the world biggest Chelsea fans, wanting them to win the FA Cup, because if Chelsea win the FA Cup, then Wolves will go to Europa League as 7th place finishers, as opposed to Arsenal who currently sit 10th, if they win the FA Cup final, they'll take that Europa League place, so it's all to play for for Wolves in this match, and as you said, staying in Europe is a big goal for them, and kind of keeps them with that little bit of extra budget to maybe bring in one or two more players. Two weeks ago, I remember being
0: groggy, rolling out of my bed, looking at my phone, having a white light black my face as I wanted to see what the cast ruling would be in regards to Manchester City and immediately I knew this Sunday was coming (laughs) hold me Chris when Lester go up one to nil five minutes into that match and we realize oh crap the whole world may fall apart here this is going to be tough I predict Chelsea win this match, but it ain't easy, and we need a big, big performance from somebody. Christian Pulisic, you were so close to getting a statue built, my friend. Please, <laughs> American hero, save us. I know plenty of Chelsea fans that have been Chelsea fans before Christian Pulisic don't want to pull the American card. Don't want to go all in and saying, ah, eh, this guy can is our best player. This guy is the answer. My brothers, my American brothers and sisters, it's time to let go and let Christian do his thing. <laughs> he is—he jumped out at, at times as the best player on the pitch against Liverpool. Wolves don't have anybody quite like Christian Pulisic. No one on the planet has anyone like Adama Triore. This is going to be a, a really interesting matchup. I, I love that Wolves team. They have very good players too. Don't Just because this is one of those heritage sides, don't get it twisted. They have very good players on that club. Let's get into some of the fun stuff around the club. If we could maybe alleviate some of the stress that we're already feeling with the Sunday sweats because... It's going to feel like the red zone, Chris, for yeah. American sports fans. It's going to feel like the witching hour on the red Never mind zone. the relegation stuff. Oh, the relegation stuff is compelling. Granted, kind of prioritizing right now. <laughs> I will have like an iPad far off in the corner to see what's going on with Bournemouth. Kai Havertz, at yeah. time of recording, he is a Byron Leverkusen player. This week has been a lot of positive momentum for Kai Havertz to Chelsea. There are reports out there from reputable journalists that the two sides have agreed to terms, the two sides being Kai the player and Chelsea the club. Now comes a transfer fee that might look a little weird, uh, might be offset by some bonuses. Chelsea don't really seem to be bidding against anybody right now, Chris. But Kai Havertz is still an
2: incredible talent, and so The Athletic reported that Chelsea are basically... It's the same thing as the Timo Werner thing. The only club right now that wants to pay for Kai Havertz is Chelsea, just as Chelsea were the only club that wanted to pay for Timo Werner. So you're seeing... This situation where right now Chelsea are sort of bidding against themselves, and what I think they're using it to negotiate is the payment of the transfer fee. We're seeing reports that maybe they want that initial number to be a little bit low so and they can spread it out over time. That way, you're still paying Bayer Leverkusen's asking price, but you're still keeping some money in the bank so you can continue to make signings. But right now, all the positive momentum is towards Kai Havertz coming to Chelsea. He apparently wants to leave the Bundesliga, he apparently has made that known to Bayer Leverkusen. This is the big move. Apparently, he like every Everyone growing up wanted to dream of playing for Real Madrid, but he's still really sold on the idea of playing for Chelsea. The one thing, though, you mentioned that this is the part where we get away from the sweats. Some reporting out there that Chelsea need to qualify for the Champions League in order for this to go through. So just that added little layer onto Championship Sunday for uh, Kai Havertz to potentially come to Chelsea is to make sure that Chelsea end up in the top four.
0: Right. The thinking is that he became available because Leverkusen didn't make the Champions League. And imagine having to go to Timo Werner and Hakim Ziyech knowing that they're already locked in and telling them. Are you ready for the Thursday night lights? Uh, <laughs> it's not going to be the greatest sell. They got to finish this job. They got to get into Europe. I understand we, we've talked a lot of Kai Havertz on this podcast, but let us touch on once more need. You watch the Liverpool match. You see the keeper being flat-footed. You see the center backs struggle once again. You see them concede on corners and, and set pieces. Hell, they're <laughs> for a new trick, they're conceding on their own set pieces <laughs> off of counters. It, it was wild. And why are you spending this money on Kai Havertz and not the back line and not the keep? You have real identifiable problems if you're giving up five goals to Liverpool. Patience, okay? Kai Havertz, Doesn't seem like a need right now, although we have argued on this very podcast the need for Kai Havertz. He is one of the brightest young talents in Europe, if not the brightest young talent. If he becomes available, when you have a shot to get him, and the likes of Real Madrid, his air quotes dream club, or direct quotes dream club, you make this deal. You keep him away from the other clubs. Real Madrid can come around knocking when he's 29 years old and we can be sister clubs again. You lock in Kai Havertz now and you worry about the rest later on. I don't think Chelsea are going to be done wheeling and dealing the second that they sign Kai Havertz. I think that's an assumption made across Chelsea Twitter that's flatly irresponsible. You're not the only one watching Chelsea, Chelsea fans. (laughs) The front office is. The manager is. The owner is. These problems are jumping off the screen right now. Chelsea are not done wheeling and dealing cross that bridge when you get to it, but if you can get a Kai Havertz Get him because he'd be on his way to Real Madrid. He'd be on his way potentially to Liverpool if they could spend and get in on this a guy Jurgen Klopp. You're getting players like Timo Werner, German players that would love to play for Jurgen Klopp because that club can't spend right now. You seize the opportunity. Another club that is also Chelsea that is seizing the opportunity when it comes to transfer business is the women's club, our champion women's team, Chris Whittingham, and they signed a Bruin. They signed a yes. Concacaf star. A Canadian <laughs> is headed to Chelsea. Very excited about this signing. Tell our audience because you know we are big
2: supporters of the lady side. And this is also another version of Concacaf mic'd up, where you have uh, Jesse Fleming. She is the uh, center midfielder for UCLA. There was obviously some thought that generally all the best American collegiate products enter the NWSL draft and join the American Women's League, but she signed a three-year contract to move to Chelsea Football Club. Scored 25 goals in 75 appearances from midfield, and I saw some of the people that cover women's soccer in this country have one of them called her a Wunderkind, like that full on, like one of the most promising American or not even American, North American young talent. She is Canadian. So it'll be interesting to see how she'll fit in at Chelsea. And generally there is a pretty significant step up from the college game to the professional game, although that is less so in the women's game. So uh, Jesse Fleming heading off uh, to play for Chelsea. And I imagine she'll feature prominently in Emma Hayes' side next season.
0: Love that. Would love to speak to Emma Hayes. First and foremost, but I would love to speak to Jesse Fleming, too. Always enjoy when we get the Chelsea players on this podcast. Hopefully we can get Jesse on. Folks, Sunday's going to be rough. Let us hold (laughs) your hand through it. I deeply, deeply, deeply hope that the start of next Chelsea Mic'd Up is me letting go a big sigh of relief and following it up with a big-time Ric Flair woo. (laughs) Till we speak again, because trust me, this season's been all about getting us nervous. It's coming. Take the Pepto in advance, folks. (laughs) It is going to be scary at times on Sunday. Hopefully not, but I just anticipate a scary one. All right. Christian will save
2: us, Mike. Christian will save us. I'm going for it. Christian Pulisic is going to get a goal early, is going to put you at ease, and this performance is all against Liverpool. will be repeatable. He will start... And he'll make you feel at ease. The Pepto will be unnecessary because of one American hero. Pepto chaser after a shot of Jack.
0: <laughs> celebrating a 30-second goal from one Christian Pulisic. Let go and let Christian. For Chris Whittingham, thanks to Katie Nolan. I'm Mike. We'll talk to you in a reaction episode Monday morning here on Chelsea mike would Up. Till then, up the Chelsea.